It was not my intention to record an episode this week. I'd mentioned last episode that I was going to let you in on the coaching session, the live coaching session I did uh, with the willing volunteer. But uh, I have to speak about the the voice and and particularly the politics and polarisation that's happening around the country uh, off the back of our upcoming referendum in Australia. If you're listening overseas, well, you might not find this relevant, but I, I think you might. I think you probably have the same issues, perhaps not uh, coming to the surface quite as extremely as we are in this country right now, but I'm sure you'll have your own version. If not now, well, maybe next week. Um, but the reason why I feel compelled to speak about this is because both the political game and the polarization that happens off the back of that, they're, they're, they're influenced dramatically by insecurity on both sides. And so uh, this is the insecurity project. And my intention is to talk intelligently about the impact of hidden and unresolved insecurity on the world so that, you know, in naming the problem accurately, then a solution can be brought as well. So um, see what you think about this take on the subject. So, so firstly, I see, um, you know, plenty of friends and family and people I don't know getting very upset about the choice that we are facing us as a country around whether or not to change the constitution to add an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island voice to parliament to speak on behalf of Indigenous issues and, and represent certain uh, people, different disenfranchised and marginalised individuals who have not really had a voice. Would it, is it time to add that as a part of the key decision-making framework for all Australians? And so uh, in order for the constitution to be changed, then the only way our political system makes uh, that available is through referendum and so here we are faced with a choice yes or no do we have the voice or not and now you'd think you'd think a big decision like that uh, it would be really logical for the government to you know book some tv time radio time um, youtube time whatever whatever people can however people consume their media and just say look uh, let's have an open discussion around why we want to do this what's involved the upsides the downsides um, so invite you in on a decision making process and and people often say well that should be how it, it is but if you ever notice yourself and others using language like you shouldn't do that they shouldn't do that it should be like this you you are you are wasting your breath they are wasting their breath that does not ever help anyone change anything in fact that only incites anger and frustration disappointment internally and further polarizes people because whether they should or shouldn't is entirely irrelevant here is what they've done Um, given fairly limited information to the public uh, let the public then control the narrative and fight amongst themselves themselves um, influence the decision trying to do it through advertising and um, you know pushing the agenda to, to pass it obviously the government have put forward the referendum not because they don't want it to go that doesn't make any sense they would like this to result in a yes vote that's the whole purpose you don't bring a referendum to the public for, for any other reason and so uh, the the challenge is People get upset because they don't understand the game. I love gamification. You will have heard me talk about that ad nauseum at times, but it's a brilliant metaphor. Metaphors work by linking something we do know with what we don't know. So politics is such an abstract 
space it's very difficult to get your teeth into it sometime but if you if you look at it as a game what is this game you know games we understand games is winning and losing games there's rules games there's certain criteria that that influence the decisions and when you understand the kind of game being played then it totally changes your expectation of what what's going to happen next I, I love the TV series The Traders, which is a reality TV series filmed in Robertson, New South Wales, where um, a bunch of this, this time they had a bunch of uh, individuals and celebrities mixed together and with eyes closed, sitting around in a circle, um, the host taps three people on the shoulder uh, to be the traders. So they are, they are hidden. No one else knows that they're the traders. And the aim of the game is that all the, um, the faithfuls have to one by, like have to vote each week or actually each day on who they think the trader is and the traders have to influence that vote and and help the the faithfuls vote out other faithfuls because if a trader remains at the end of the game they win the whole pot of cash so it's a game based on deceit and so people get upset when they miss that point they they think it is supposed to be based on normal social etiquette which telling lies is not accepted and so it's a personal attack on them as humans if someone lies to them but they're they're on a reality tv show and a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar prize is offered hang on how is that the real world so the people that do well on that show understand entirely the game that's being played and so in this game lying is wonderful like that's to your advantage and so if you bring this moral compass in that says oh, i never lie well how are you supposed to win a game that rewards lying that would be a stupid thing to do you should never have come on this show and so if you saw this year's this year's series outstanding uh, and the final play was from uh, an, an ex-police officer who didn't reveal that was her past life uh, and she played the game perfectly and um, played a straight face and and convinced everyone that she would never lie she was faithful and tell the truth and then at the end just lied wholeheartedly to make sure the game went in her favor and it went against the other players so uh, but even in that final thing the other two players were so upset and so offended at her ability to lie I, I just <laughs> so extraordinary watching this like you're on a tv series it's a game where lying is rewarded and then you you get upset when they lie and so such a useful metaphor to think about politics because it's a game right and, and there are a few things that are really important to understand about the political game to help you know how you should be feeling about the current referendum so first thing to know about the political game is it rewards insecurity. So the kind of people who do well as politicians are the most insecure people. So they are people, like in fact, what causes them to not only choose that path but stay the course and put up with the extraordinary amount of bullshit to, to take the time and play the game before they get their own voice like they are driven by the need to be in the limelight people who are rational people who are humble people who have a very strong moral compass get to a point where they're like ah this isn't working for me like this is a strange game this is not a, 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 an open objective honest game this is there's backstabbing and game playing and party politics i can't do this and maintain integrity so the secure individual gets so far into the game and has to exit the insecure individual can keep going forward. They get rewarded because they're willing to do whatever it takes 
to have their time in the sun. I'll show you, you know, some, you know, they maybe have no, had no friends. Maybe they were treated poorly at school. Maybe they were told they'd never amount to anything. And so the whole insecurity is rocket fuel thing serves them brilliantly because, okay, I'll do whatever it takes to prove that I matter and I'll show you. And one day I'll have influence and I'll have power and I'll be important. And you know I'm a good person because of how important I am and the status I am and the position I've risen to within the political game. So, uh, you know, and then in order to play that game, you'll stop at nothing to rise to power. And so in the process, you know, you sell your soul to the devil and compromise on all the key things, lose your moral compass. So by the time you get to the top and have the ability to have leadership, you've lost all integrity and, and moral compass. Now that's a vast sweeping statement, but um, I, I would challenge you to tell me that's not how the game works. Whether it should work like that or it shouldn't work like that is irrelevant. That is how the game works. Now, and that's the game around the world. Our world leaders are, are some of the most insecure people alive. And so uh, that's a challenge for each of us because then when you get to power, you've got to keep power. So then the game is rewarded by you have to do the thing that looks good. It doesn't really matter whether it does good or not. Politicians are more interested in looking good so that they can keep their power. Um, does it actually work? Does it do good? Well, who's to say? And who really cares? Just as long as it looks good and people think we're doing the right thing. So, so here we have a decision put forward by the Australian government to say, well, you know, um, the, the moral you know, the, the global climate around injustice, around equity, around minority groups, like it's it's the time where minority groups are being recognised and brought to the fore. So, okay, we, we better look to be doing something for our minority groups and, and the most oppressed and downtrodden of the groups. So, all right, it's time for the for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, our Indigenous Australians to have uh, their turn. Because... You know, we had we had the same-sex marriage version of this back in 2017, where, you know, here's a disenfranchised group, here's the people who've been ostracised and judged and excluded uh, from a relationship status. So, okay, we we better be looking to do the right thing for that group because that's culturally celebrated and rewarded. And so, it doesn't really matter whether it does good or not, uh, as long as it looks good. Well, that's what we must be doing. So here we have a government that says, oh, okay, well, this, this looks good. Now, another key part of this game, which is very important to understand, is that in many ways, uh, being a political leader is like being a parent. Uh, I, I shared a, a comedy uh, clip from Ron Funches to my uh, Instagram story this week, and I am a huge fan of stand-up comedy because um, I love to laugh and I think laughter is real and I, I think laughter is extraordinary. What you know, what laughter is, just the spontaneous, you can't force real laughter. When laughter erupts inside you, there's something real and pure about that. When a group of people laugh together, something sacred is happening. Laughter is the shortest distance between two people. So in some way, shape or form, laughter is true and real. So I love the ability of a comedian to draw out real laughter. But I also love the platform the comedian has to speak the truth. And I think it's, um, you know, perhaps the the most powerful platform to speak truth. You can you can say things as a comedian you cannot say in any other platform. So if you're clever and you're going to use your influence for good, the comedian uh, has the ability to shape culture, perhaps more than anyone. Um, anyway, Ron Funches 
has a take on conspiracy theories and he says um you know so what you, you don't believe in any conspiracy theories he says that's a strong stance to take that that you know there are some people who believe in every conspiracy theory but to say you believe in zero conspiracy theories oh that's a strong stance to take and he says look i don't like speaking about politics and i don't understand a lot but i do know this um i am being in government is like being a parent you are responsible for the people you lead he says i i am a parent i am responsible for one son and i lie to that kid all the time so he says you think the government's batting at a thousand you think they're telling you the truth all the time and they're responsible for each one of you no way that's not the game and that is useful to take into consideration if you are a parent tell me you haven't lied to your children and tell me that you haven't decided it was the right thing to lie to your children tell me there haven't been times where the best of you has gone "I, i can't actually share what's real right now with my child i can't handle that or, or then the worst of you, it's like, um, I couldn't be bothered telling the truth. It's hard. The truth is too hard. It's easier not to tell the truth. I'm tired. I'm stressed. It's a complex problem being a parent. And uh, I, I, I don't have scope to tell the truth. So I'll just fabricate what would be easier. So, and, and the fun of that is to go, we've all been parented and you get through and you kind of understand that being a parent's hard and you just sometimes you're like oh well that's mum and dad bloody hell like that's crazy and this is bullshit but i don't know i'm under their roof so i gotta do what they say and you just put up with it knowing that it's not the best and and also knowing you'll be okay it's just how it rolls and so you kind of think the government are in some way my mum and dad and they're not going to get it right and they're going to lie a lot of the time so why would i expect them to tell me the truth about this i don't fully know what the agenda is but but i but it would be some version of it looks good to bring this to the public now in the eyes of the world to be seen to be doing the right thing for a minority group that's that's probably as deep as the agenda goes and Amity asked me whether she thought it was really strange that they'd maybe pushing that agenda through advertising. Is that a conspiracy? Like, no, that's that's the most honest they're being. It's like, we re- like we think this does look good. So, yeah, we want you to know we're doing good. So let let me shout it from the rooftops what good I'm doing, and let me try and help you do more good. That's all that's going on from the ads. Like, yeah, we we want to influence you to say yes. That's and we'll trick you. And we'll trap you and we'll motivate you or manipulate you to say yes, because then that makes us look good. So, yeah, nothing strange about that, not at all. So there are times parents say as little as necessary. They're vague. They hope you forget about it. They're like, oh, we want to do something. You're probably not going to like it, but it's kind of going to work for us to do it like this. So, um, yeah, this is kind of it and it's vague and don't ask any questions. So, yep, can we just get on with this? So, like, if you kind of expect your parents to be perfect and then they're not, you suffer. If you kind of expect that your parents are doing the best they can and even when they're not doing the best they can, it's probably hard being a parent and one day you'll be a parent and um, you kind of cut them some slack because life's hard and they're responsible then not to justify governments making poor decisions but it just if you understand the game you're in then it changes what you expect 
So we are not being led by moral giants, by people with pure wisdom. That's not the game. You, you don't play that game as a politician. You're not being led by uh, entrepreneurs. You're not being led by people who have forged their own path. You, you're being led by people who have been rewarded by play, towing the party line, by selling their soul to what's right and what's going to reward them in their own position. So, okay. Now, that's really important to take into consideration because when you're a child of a parent, you also kind of realize that you put up with it for a while, but your aim is to become sovereign over your own life. It's to be not influenced by poor decision-making. It's to develop your own resourcefulness and your own sustainability so you live outside of the kingdom of your parents. If you're still a 40-year-old living at home and mum and dad get to impose their rule and reign on you, that's going to suck. So like, I, I think about how this affects me personally, and it doesn't. Like, Almost nothing the government does affects me personally. I, I'm never surprised with their poor decision making. I don't lose any sleep over it. I don't expect them to make good decisions. You know, I'd love them to, but you know, I know they won't. So I know this. You know, you know who who knows what's actually going to happen because the the voice referendum is just. Are we saying yes to the idea of having a voice, an indigenous voice, to the government? That hasn't been shaped as to what that voice will actually look like. There'll be further discussion once it's in. If it gets in, then there'll be lots of planning and conversation around what that... So we don't even know what it's what it's like. And so the likelihood of it being brilliant is slim. So could anyone be confident that this is a great decision? Even the strongest yes campaigners. like The, the indigenous community is divided about whether this is actually any good. Is this going to solve the problem? Well, let, let me answer that question unequivocally. Um, no, this will not solve the problem of inequality between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians. N no, in impossible. Um, will it make things worse? Well, I think many Indigenous Australians have it pretty bad already, so it's hard to think how this could possibly make it worse for anybody. So um, the agenda is it's, it's about looking good. Is it possible that it would do good as well? You know, maybe. But I think when I so when I reflect on a the impact this has on my personal life, it doesn't have any impact on my personal life because I think that's the role of adults to find a way to be self-sustaining, self-sufficient, to be king and queen of their own life, to make their own decisions, to not be dictated to by government. Just like I'm not dictated to by my parents. I stand on their shoulders. I go further than they could have gone. Um, I'm grateful for the the impact they had on my life. Uh, the good, the good, the good, the bad, the ugly. It all belongs. And then I go on and be a parent myself. So, um, to remain someone who is dependent upon every single decision the government's making for you, that's a dangerous thing to do. I'm convinced that mature adults, uh, if you are secure and mature, you are on a trajectory towards entrepreneurship to start doing your own thing to exit the system. That's the the natural progression from the system to entrepreneurship so um, if it's still greatly impacting your your very existence well that's an opportunity for you to reflect on why haven't you grown up why are you still living at home and mum and dad are telling you getting to tell you getting to tell you everything they want you to do and imposing their rule and reign um but then you know then then i get to i still have to make a decision right i still gotta i can't just go off and do my own thing the referendum is an is an opportunity for me to have a say so i, I have to have a say so what what say will i make now i kind of consider this um similar to wind turbines to solar panels to electric cars 
um, to the same-sex marriage referendum. It's like, uh, do am I convinced that wind farms, all the turbines that I see around the countryside in regional New South Wales where I live, are actually doing good? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I doubt it. I, I really doubt that they are they are efficient. Uh, the system is set up to cope with that. That they are um, purely clean. There's a lot of resources going into making them. How long do they last? What are the, what's the downside? Like, is it is it actually a better deal than coal? I don't know. I, I'm not sure that it is. Um, solar, a lot of resources to create panels how long do they last is it efficient is it working is it replacing uh, you know the equivalent amount of energy i I don't really know electric cars um, are they all good i'm not sure (laughs) but but to to be on the opposite side and say no to to somehow moving towards a cleaner more sustainable future to say that no i will not be on the side of of working towards uh, um, a responsible use of resources in the planet, even though the best we've got is still terrible. Like, I, I, I can't be on that side. I can't say no way. Um, same as the same-sex marriage, like I think about it, whatever my view was on the morality or the um, the social consequences of um, same-sex marriages, whether I think it's right, wrong, good, bad, or indifferent, that doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. Here's a group of people who are saying, hey, listen, uh, we're ostracized and that's unfair and, and we don't deserve that and that's not okay and we, we would like to be treated equally. Whether you think we should be treated equally or not is not really for you to say. We would like to be treated equally and uh, it's time. Who am I to say, no, you can't have that? So uh, who am I to say, no, we can't move towards uh, something that that at least looks like it's a more open, more equitable, more responsive community and political scene where a disenfranchised group of people have more opportunity for justice and equity. Like, even though I'm not convinced that the voice will actually produce that, there's no way that I can say no to that. I can't. I, I won't. <laughs> so, uh, don't think it'll do any good. Um, don't really think it'll do any harm. Um, but I'll say yes, that, that's my vote. Um, I, I love also thinking about the game of life because life is not fair. That's a really, really important piece. So in considering whether this will do good, is this the strategy to empower a, a race of people, a community of people who've been disenfranchised and marginalised? Well, no, because that's not how the game works. You don't... the work. Like life doesn't work based on what you deserve. Just because people deserve to be treated well, if you wait for what you deserve, like you'll be waiting for the rest of your life. Now, life is unfair. It, it is. You look at the game; it's not set up fairly. Some people get given more than others. That's how it works. And so, the way the game works is that you have every single right to play the victim card, to cry blue murder to scream of injustice and to play that as the reason why you can't and why it's unfair for you because it is unfair for you of course it's unfair but it's unfair for everybody in different ways i heard one of the 
uh, Indigenous speakers who was advocating for a no vote um, had a really wise response to the, the comment around you know generational trauma experienced by Indigenous 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 people. I'm sorry, um, based on the treatment they receive when the uh, you know Europeans came from England and colonised, and and the the lasting impact of that generational trauma. She's like, well. She was actually mixed race, so her heritage was both uh, English and Aboriginal. And so she said, well, I should have, if that's true, what about the trauma experienced by the early settlers? Um, could you imagine what it was like you know, being transported to the other side of the world for stealing a loaf of bread, being buried in the belly of a ship for nine months, shackled? Um, like the trauma of that, then come to a foreign country with, with no infrastructure and you're expected to forge a life for yourself and that community um, with very little resources. Uh, you tell me that's not traumatic. Tell me that's all beer and Skittles. So what about that generational trauma? So, yeah, I mean, life's hard and and <laughs> like it's it's all, everyone's got their own experience of injustice. So if you think that the problem gets solved by fighting for what's fair, you're missing the point of the game of life. Life rewards desire, not deserve. And so for anyone who's been disenfranchised, disempowered, marginalized, mistreated, you have to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. You cannot be rescued. That's not how the game works. So creating a more equitable society, sure, great that's a kind thing to do and the right thing to do but does it solve the problem no way not even close not for anybody so again like what's what's the point of getting upset about it is it going to do good is it going to do bad neither um i understand the game the government's playing and and then um, still make a decision that you must you know similar to the the vaccine mandate as well so uh, that was not something that i wanted to do it didn't make sense to me. It was a very short-sighted decision from the government, again, based on the game of being seen to be right, to be seen to doing the right thing in the in the global uh, sense. It's a mandate. That wasn't a referendum. That was a, we're telling you what to do, which is what mum and dad do sometimes too. Sometimes they, they are seen to present a choice to you. Other times, like, this is what's going to happen here. You're getting a jab, whether you like it or not. And so lots of people got very, very upset about that. Some people are still very, very upset about that. So the, the way that I played that was, uh, I don't like it, not at all. Do I think it's fair? No. Do I think it's right? No. Is it going to happen? Yeah, it's going to happen. And um, Does the government have me by the short and curlies? Because if I don't get a jab, I won't be able to do a bunch of things I want to do. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, then I'll play that game. That's fine. I'll get the jab. Whatever you're doing to me, my body's strong and capable and wonderful and glorious. And I drink Coca-Cola, and that's not good for me either, and I don't die. So whatever this jab is about to put in my body, uh, my body will be able to cope with it as well. That was my honest sense of the conversation with myself. To go And, and this is, I'm being invited into your game. I don't like your game, but um, there's a bigger game I'm playing. And while this might be a backward step and you might look like you're winning, uh, you don't win the big game that I'm playing. And I'm not playing your game for any other for any other area or arena of my life. So I'll be okay. I'll go on. This won't ruin my life, not at all. And so I will not lose sleep over it. I will not be upset about it. I will not feel like you have, you have jeopardized my future and ruined my plans. Not for even one moment will I spend a second thinking about uh, how I'm now a victim of a poor policy. No, not at all. So, um, so if you get upset 
at what's happening right now, you've missed the point. And if you get upset, you are likely to create more pain in the world because then you will polarize. If you get upset, you will take it personally and then you will attack people who disagree with you with great personal um, vigor and, and violence. So I'm sure each one of us have seen strong statements on social media saying, you know, if you vote yes, you're an idiot. If you vote no, you're stupid. How could anyone possibly vote no? How could anyone be thinking yes? Like it's... And then very strong statements put on the socials, I'm voting yes. It's like that polarization, just so you're clear about the structure of that, that's actually not about influencing anyone's decision. Because if you zoom out, is anyone's mind changed by someone attacking on social media? You want to go, oh, yeah, that person's attacking me. They're right. I should change my mind and do what they said because they said I'm an idiot for, for thinking this. It's like... That's not what happens. Instead, the opposite happens. Like, piss off, don't tell me what to do, you idiot. Right, that's it. Then I'm more determined to resist you and do the opposite of what you say. Don't tell me what to do. So if you put out a strong polarizing post on the socials, just so you know, that's about you. That's your own self-righteousness. That's for you to make you feel like a good person. And if you can make yourself better than others, well, that's a strategy to inflate your own ego. Just so you know, that is not an attempt to influence anyone. So you are not advancing your cause if, if what you wanted to do was to influence more people to what you thought was the right thing to do, that is the last strategy you would actually employ to achieve that end. Just so you know. And I don't care, by the way, because you're going to do whatever you're going to do. But uh, the reason you are attacked personally is because of your own insecurity as well. And because you are still in some way playing the game of a child and you have not stood up and owned your own value and worth and become sovereign over your own life. So that's an important message for the insecurity project for both politicians and citizens to work on their own security. That is the hope for our planet, by the way. That's always been the hope for our planet. That's how the world gets healed. Individuals, one at a time, resolving the existential angst created in their childhood that's imposed a narrative that says there's an inadequacy that then causes a person to cover and compensate, run and hide, and, and ultimately descend into madness because all their best energy is going into proving and defending that they're a good person because they fear that they're not. You can't think straight. You can't make good decisions if all your best energy is directed to protecting yourself from being seen as a bad person. That's a, that's a disaster. So that's politics and polarization. Poker is the third thing on the list of things that I suggested I'd talk about today. So let me wrap up with this. Uh, another game, another really fun game. If you've never played poker, I'm suggesting you start. And here's why. It, it is a game of risk and reward. And uh, you can win a hand of poker with a, with a terrible hand. That's certainly possible. You can bluff your way through, and that's part of the game, is backing yourself even when you have nothing. And the metaphor of that is very powerful because there are times in life where you still win when you shouldn't have. If you're willing to back yourself, if you're willing to be strong, if you're willing to be certain, if you're willing to hold the line, then you can still win. It's possible to win. You can also win. You lose very badly if you actually have nothing and you get called on that. So it's a risky strategy to play. But every now and then in a hand of poker, you get dealt something lovely. You might even find yourself with pocket aces. So you get dealt a really wonderful hand. 
Now, in the game of poker, um, there are certain times where you sit, where you fold, where you, you don't risk anything. Um, and and there are other times where you kind of go all in when you, when you go big. So if you get given a poor hand and you don't go, out, go all in, well, no one can really blame you. But if you get given a great hand and you play it safe, that's that's a tragedy. And that's almost violating the game because you can't win a game of poker on a conservative strategy. Every time that you know it goes round the circle, the small blind and big blind is increased. And so if you're not winning, then you're actually going backwards. You have to put some of your chips in just to play, and the cost of playing each round gets higher and higher. So you cannot win poker by being conservative. And I love thinking about this in terms of the parable of the talents. You know, a farmer left three servants in charge of his affairs while he went to a foreign country, and he gave one guy five talents. We get confused by the word talent. It just is a that's a financial amount, equivalent to a year's wage. So five talents, three talents, and one talent, and then buggered off and said he'd be back sometime soon. When he comes back, he says to the guys, what'd you do with what I gave you? And the first guy says, ah, oh, master, you gave me five. I doubled it. I invested it wisely. Here's 10. And he's like, well, that's brilliant. Well done. The second guy says, Master, this, the three you gave me, I, I invested it wisely and grew it. Now I have six. Oh, that's brilliant. Well done. And the guy who was given one, he says, Master, I was afraid. Like, you're a hard man to deal with, and I was really afraid of upsetting you, and so I didn't want to lose what you'd given me. So I buried it in the ground, so I didn't lose it. And here it is, the one that you gave me just as you gave it to me. Uh, and the master says, you're a wicked servant. Like, And give me that one. And he gave it to the guy with 10. So now he's got 11. And he told this servant to piss off and fired him on the spot. So I love the point of that story because it's like your one responsibility is to grow what you've been given. And that's a risky plan. But if you play it safe, if you bury what you've been given in the ground, like that's like being you know, a good hand in poker and sitting on it for fear of it going badly. Because even when you get given a great hand, there's no guarantee someone else hasn't also got a great hand and can't, can't beat you. Or there's no guarantee what comes out in the flop and the river and the cards that come out aren't actually, um, you know, better for someone else's hand. So there's still no guarantee a good hand wins, but you've got you to gotta back yourself with a good hand. So I was thinking about that for my own life this week, thinking about the hand that I've been dealt. What is in my hand? What is What are the good hands? And what is the best hand I've ever got? What is the, the gift that I've been given? What are the thing that is actually my strength? What's the best of me? Because if I don't know the best of me, if I'm conservative with the best thing I've got, that's a tragedy. That's a disaster that ends in tears for everybody. And so I... I've reflected on that deeply for myself this week and and it's really encouraged me to keep going all in with the things that I am best at. But I wanted to encourage each of you to do the same, to consider that of all the hands you've been out, of all the things you've been given, there'll be some terrible hands you've got, some okay hands and some really good stuff, some really amazing stuff. And for you to take stock of it and for you to be objective about it because sometimes it's hard to tell what is your best hand. Sometimes you might have looked over the thing that you've been given and thought and discounted it. It's nothing. When in fact, if you zoom out, you realize no one else got given that. That is an unfair advantage. That thing that you've got is actually extraordinarily valuable and you've never valued it. You've never understood it. You've diminished it. It is your responsibility to value what you've been given appropriately and then to back yourself and to go all in with your best hand. 
I'm, I'm sure that was for somebody or multiple people this week. And I'm sure that talking about the voice referendum was an important thing to do as well. So uh, appreciate the, uh, the, the time to speak. And I hope that was useful. And next week, look, who knows? I might tell you the truth or I might lie to you. Um, we'll see. But yeah, I, I think it's probably likely that you'll hear a coaching session next week. So leave it there. Bye now.